0: This morning our sermon is about stewardship, and when we use the word stewardship throughout this sermon, it will mean giving, and our scripture is found this morning in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. I'll read those uh, verses here in just a minute, Um, but I want to begin by saying this. In the landscape that we live in today as a preacher, there are some things that have become very sensitive issues to preach about. Issues such as marriage, issues of um, what the definition of marriage is. There are all kind of things that just a few years ago we didn't find all that difficult. We didn't know it was going to be so difficult to have to preach about. There are ministers who have difficulties with lots of subjects. Some ministers have difficulties preaching about uh, the... The doctrine of hell. Some some ministers have difficulties preaching about different doctrines. They know that some things that they preach about are going to make some people uncomfortable. Uh, we'd like every week to preach about heaven. We'd like every week to preach about the promises of Jesus and all those things. But sometimes we have to we have to preach about difficult subjects. To me, this is the most difficult subject that I have to preach about because. Um, I can preach about hell, I can preach about sin, I can preach about all kinds of different things. I may affect a few people, make a few people upset, but I have noticed that when I preach about giving, it's when I make more people upset with me than any other thing that I preach about. So knowing that, I look for some opportunities, some, some, I look for some resources, uh, and there's a man named O.S. Hawkins, And he's a former pastor of First Baptist Dallas, another uh, another large church in um, Florida. But the thing that he is now is he's the president of the Guidestone Financial Systems. And that's the uh, financial arm of the Southern Baptist Convention. And I guess he knows the difficulties in uh, preaching some of these issues sometimes. And so um, he provides some outlines for preaching on financial issues because of his expertise there and working with Godstone. So this morning um, I want to declare to you this is his outline. This belongs to O.S. Hawkins. It's not his sermon but it's his outline. I sat in the uh, living room of one of my mentors one time was Brother Ed Kugler, and I asked Brother Ed, I said, Brother Ed, have you ever preached someone else's sermon or is he, does people do people preach your sermons and He said, Michael, I'll tell you the truth. When better sermons are written, I'll preach them. So um, that being said, I'm trying to tailor this to fit us this morning. But um, recently, a couple weeks ago, a man from the Baptist Foundation of Alabama came to meet with our finance team to talk to us about church legacy ministries. And not only is he involved now in church legacy ministries, he's been involved in financial campaigns, stewardship campaigns, Throughout his life, he's a young man, but he gave us a lot of counsel on uh, teaching us and try and helping us teach our our people about leaving a legacy through their life financially to their churches, and he gave us great counsel that evening and some things for us to begin to work toward. And what if I were to have announced this morning and said to the community that the the man who knows more about finances than any other man who ever lived is going to give us advice this morning on how to manage our finances. Some people might have thought immediately that Bill Gates may be here, or Warren Buffett, the great investor, who are both well uh, financially, probably close to a hundred billion dollars, or be- Bezos, now the president of a uh, CEO of Amazon, who won. Just one day last in uh, February, made $32 billion while he slept at night because his stock went up so much. But here's the truth this morning. This morning we're going to get the free counsel of a man who's recognized the world over as one of the richest, most successful, and wisest men who ever lived. He wrote a book on commerce this is what is said of him in the Bible. God gave him wisdom and exceedingly great understanding and largeness of heart like the sand on the seashore. Thus his wisdom excelled the wisdom of all the men of the east and all the wisdom of Egypt, for he was wiser than all men, than Ethan the Ezrahite and Heman, Chalcol, and Darda, the sons of Mel. And his fame was in all the surrounding nations. He spoke 3,000 proverbs and his songs were 1,005. Who knows who I'm talking about? Solomon, King Solomon, who wrote the book of Proverbs. Someone sent me a message on Monday and said, I'm reading through the book of Proverbs this month. And they told me some things that they had learned, and, and I was so grateful. And I reminded them of this. If Solomon had put his wisdom in his heart instead of his head, he would have been the greatest man who ever lived. On earth outside of Christ himself. But this is what Solomon said. And we'll spend a few minutes here this morning. Talking about this. He said in Proverbs three nine and 10. Honor the Lord with your possessions. And with the first fruits of your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty. And your vats will overflow with new wine. Now here's what we want to look at this morning. In our walk with the Lord. How we handle our financial situation says a lot about where we are in our walk with God. How we handle our finances, how we handle our tithe says a lot about where we are with the Lord. Now, here's the first question that I'm going to have deacons ask me after church today. Why did you preach on giving after we took up the offering? Doesn't make sense to me. Here's why. Because I want to give you an opportunity this week to learn. I want to give you an opportunity this week to listen to what I have to say, to learn from it, and to pray this week about your obligation, about what you will do, and how you can pray about how you can be a better steward of what God has given to you. So let's look first of all at this first question. What is the purpose of my stewardship? It's to honor the Lord. Now, a few minutes ago, an offering plate came by you. Passed. And we place a gift in it. Now the first three words of our text say honor the Lord. That should be the most important, the single most important goal in every one of our lives is to honor the Lord in everything we do. It's always a good thing to check our motivation, our purpose regarding the issues in life. Honoring God should be our primary motive in everything we do. Whether it's our marriage, whether it's our social life, our business, whatever we're doing, honoring God should be first and foremost. So what is the purpose of my stewardship? Some people look at stewardship and they're motivated by guilt. They're motivated by a sense of they think they ought to. Other people are grudge givers. They give because they think that they have to. What does the New Testament teach us? The New Testament teaches us to be graceful givers. We give because we have a heart that's full of gratitude and love, and because we're compelled by what Christ did for us, we're compelled to give. We're compelled to give our time, we're compelled to give our talent, and we're also compelled to give from our financial situation. Now, the Hebrew word, the Hebrew verb that's translated honor means... This it means that we treat the Lord as weighty. The root of the verb means this it means to be heavy. And even as today, what we, we might say that a person carries social weight when we look at a person's social standard or, or their social standing, what do we normally look at? We look at how much what they have, we get how much money they have for most in most cases. We look at that. We look at their prestige, we look at their rank, and we look at their importance. Listen, the Lord should have these places in our lives. The Lord should have the most prestige. The Lord should have the most rank, and the Lord should have the most importance in our lives. And what is the purpose of our stewardship? It's, 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 uh, the purpose in our stewardship has to do with honoring God. Because listen to this, when we give our money, We're saying this, I trust you, God, in every situation in my life. When I give my money to you, Lord, I am saying that I trust you to take care of every need that I have and that I I know that you're going to. It was one of the best ways that I grew in faith as a young Christian. Because let me tell you, I loved money. I loved money. When I was younger, before I became a Christian, I absolutely loved money. I would work as many hours a day as you would let me work as long as I knew that at the end of that day I was going to get paid a lot for doing it. I held on to my money as tightly as I can. As a matter of fact, a couple of people had a conversation this week about me before I I got married, and they reminded me of all the things I had before I got married. Anybody else in that situation? I, I I had anything I wanted before I got married. Then I got married and I moved into an apartment and they started sending these bills to the apartment and I thought, this is wrong. These are supposed to be going to daddy. I've never had bills before. But I, I loved money and I wanted to hold on to my money. Well guess what the first thing that I guess what the first thing that I had to struggle with when I became a Christian? I had to struggle with giving. I had to struggle with letting go of that money. I had to struggle with trusting God when I gave Him that money that He was going to see me through. We talked about it in Sunday school this morning. There's times at the 25th of the month when you look and you realize that the rest of the month, that there's five days left in the month and you're going to eat bologna sandwiches the rest of that month. There's times when you have to trust the Lord to even provide the bologna. I remember when we. Uh, first got married, and I first was uh, preaching, and we would leave our house, and whatever I made that day for preaching. When I would walk in these little country churches, they have what they is famously known as the Baptist handshake. There'd be a deacon who would meet you at the back door, and he'd have a wad of money in his hand, and he would—they would pay you before the sermon, which a lot of them regretted that later on. I remember one particular instance: a deacon handed me a wad full of money. And as I stuck it in my pocket, he said these words, we like to be out by 11.30. I sat down in my seat so mad, I, I told Bree, I said, I'm going to keep them here to 1 o'clock. That deacon was my grandfather, by the way. But I learned, I learned early on that I gave that $50 that they handed me at the back of that church, the, wherever I attended church, Wherever my home church was, that church got five dollars of that fifty dollars, because that was a tenth. So, what is the pro? What is the purpose of my stewardship? Is to honor God, and what is the product of my stewardship? It is my. It's with your possessions. Now, the sad truth is, we honor ourselves sometimes with our money, and the Lord gets second best. But Solomon has given us wisdom here, and wisdom will change us. Wisdom is saying that when we give. We are giving to make the Lord famous. We're giving to make him more prominent by means of what he has blessed us with. We use our money to increase his prestige around the world. When you gave a few minutes ago, you have no idea that uh, there's a a section in our budget that's about 20% of what you uh, have given there will go to missions Locally here in our county, it'll go to support the Calhoun Baptist Association, it'll go to support the BCM at Jack State, all the way to uh, Mentone, where it will support Jess Jennings and his ministries there. It'll go to John Gunner in the Dominican Republic, it will go around the world through the cooperative program. Your money is going places that you don't even realize, and sometimes you shouldn't, you shouldn't, you should just trust God that the money you're giving is increasing his ministry throughout the world. Money giving is wise for a Christian because the more, let's think about this, the more we use our money for ourselves, the more silly we look to other people. We live in a world where we will spend a whole lot of money to impress a whole lot of people who don't even like us and aren't going to like us anymore because we have more stuff. We're trying to keep up with the Joneses and what we don't understand is that when we go out and try to outdo the Joneses, the Joneses will just take out a new mortgage and get more than what we had. No offense to the Joneses. I'm just using that name. The love, the pretense of money. We do that because money has all, almost has a mystical power over us. We think that our self-importance is sustainable, but it will never be sustainable in this life. But think about this. The more that we heap prestige on Jesus, the more that we give our money, the more weighty and significant and relevant we become. We become serious people. We can impact the eternity of somebody just through our giving. There's another Hebrew verb that's the opposite of honoring. It means to make light of, to regard as trifling and frivolous. As God looks at our financial priorities, would he become? Uh, would he consider himself to be honored, or would he consider himself to be slotted through what we give? Somebody is going to get the honor of first place in my monthly budget every month. And who is in first place of that honor? I remember years ago, Derek Smith, my my first pastor when I was here. Derek Smith preached a sermon on giving, and he said, "If you want to see who who you really worship." Then go through your checkbook and and look at the check. That's back when we had checkbook registers. That's how old discernment is. Go back and look at your checkbook register and you'll see who you honor more than anybody else. Well, I went back, I took his advice. I went back and looked at my checkbook register. I honored the Dairy King, I honored the Grub Mart, and I honored uh, Lively's at the time. Those were over and over throughout there. it It was those three things. And I thought, well, I have to eat, I have to have gas. And I had to have groceries, so. but as long as I could look and see that the first check that I wrote that month, back when we used to write checks, was that, that first check was to Piedmont First Baptist Church, then I knew that I had honored God correctly, but I also needed to eat at home more often. But here's the thing, every one of us wants a revival in our lives. In our personal lives, every one of us wants a revival. When we give God his place of honor in every area of our lives, including our finances, we'll have revival. That verse, that verse 9 word that translated honor in the Old Testament is the word for glory. We pray a lot, show us your glory. And that's a meaningful prayer. Here, listen to this, the glory of God is why you and I are on the planet. The glory of God is why the planet exists. The glory of God is why everything is here. What is God up to in all of this? Listen, he is displaying his glory so that we can, we can thrill over him for all eternity. The glory of God is the central theme of the Bible. Everything that is wrong in the world today is traceable to this one huge sin where God was trivialized. Life can't work because when we shut out the glory of God and treat ourselves as more weighty than God in any situation. But here's the thing. When we give God this area of our lives, it is a freedom, and it frees us up, and it grows our faith in such a way that we will never regret giving Him our possessions. Um, The purpose and product of our stewardship, the way we handle our possessions, is a reflection of what is on the inside of us That our Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus spoke on the issue of giving in one out of three of his recorded, every one out of three of his recorded sermons and parables. So, those are the first two things. Let's take a break and catch our breath. I heard somebody tell me this morning that my voice puts their baby to sleep. All right, Um, I had that effect over their child. They wanted to know if they could take my recordings and play them for their baby. Um, every night. Go by all means. But here, here's the priority of my stewardship. Solomon says this, and this is where he heads to a great promise. He says, "With well, the first fruits of all your produce. The first fruits are the best of the harvest, are the best of the harvest. Numbers 18 and 12 bear this out. Exodus 23, 19 says just as God's speaking, the best of the first fruits of your ground you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. So then we honor the Lord with our wealth. We give away to him our first and our best. He comes first in our budget even before what we give away as taxes. Now April 15th is looming on us large. Some of you are are thinking about that deadline. Some of you are thinking about those taxes that you, you've got to settle. When you give to God ahead of your taxes, you're giving of your first fruits. We honor the Lord with our wealth when we calculate not from the net, but from the gross. Because here's what the Bible says. It says, from all your produce. Now, some of you are going to take that up with me later, and I understand that. But I, that's what God's Word says here, and that's how I interpret it. It's all of our income. If we dishonor God, not only by giving him anything, but also we dishonor him by giving him leftovers. After we've taken care of ourselves and our monthly budgets, and then we decide to give what's left over to God. Our giving to the Lord can be like a tip that we've left on a table in a restaurant somewhere. But we honor God when we give him the first cut from our gross income. Listen, Solomon is the wisest person who ever lived, and he's writing this to us. And what we know here is that Solomon was not tight-fisted. He was a giver, but through what he writes. Now, I want you to understand that Think about this. If your father owned a business, if your father owned a business, what would he be teaching you about that business? He would be teaching you, if you're going to take over that business, he's going to teach you what? How to what? how to grow that business, how to expand that business, how to make that business bigger and better than what it is right now. When we give to the Lord, God our Father is sharing His resources with us to expand His family business. He's giving to us so that we expand the gospel enterprise. Now He's entrusting into our care His money and we're investing His funds. What how much of the money that I receive is is God's money? All of it. Every bit of it. Now I want to teach you this morning how to make a uh, 90% return on your money. You with me? Some of you probably in the last couple years you've been making 30 and 40% returns in your uh, investments with the stock market doing as well as it has. Um, but here I want to tell you this. If you want to make a 90% return on this money give 10% as a tithe and God will allow you and pay you a 90% commission that's the best That's the best return on money I've ever heard of, how about you 90% return so it says 100% he is we give 10% back and he allows us to keep 90% of the 100% he gave us now, he's a pretty good boss to work for isn't he I can remember this Bree's not here this morning. A friend of hers is taking her out of town for her birthday, uh, and normally when I use Bree as an example, y'all all uh, look at me like she's gonna kill y'all, gonna kill you when she gets home. But I want to use this example this morning. I remember when Bree, the very first job Bree ever had, she went to work for Dr. Lusk at Lusk Animal Clinic. She was dipping dogs and helping with surgeries, and I remember she helped. She was a new Christian. While she was working there. And she would get a check at the end of the week. She lived in her own apartment. She bought her own meals. She was on her own. And at the end of every week, she would get a check. The gross of that check was $100. And the very first thing that Bree did was she wrote a check to Piedmont First Baptist Church for $10. Out of that out of that gross. Now, she probably was bringing home somewhere around 80, 85 to $90 dollars out of that she would write a check to Piedmont First Baptist Church for $10. We were just friends at the time, and I remember listening to conversations that her family had with her about how she needed that $10. There were a lot of wealthy people at Piedmont First Baptist Church, and they could give the money there. You need that $10, and you need that to live on every week because we can't keep supporting you. You're out of high school now. But Bree, every week, she would write that check for $10, and she would put it in the offering plate here. And here's what I want to tell you with her not here this morning. I have watched through the years. I have never witnessed my wife get a check in nearly a quarter of a century of our friendship, courtship, and marriage. I've never witnessed her get a check without the first thing that she did was to sit down and write a check to Piedmont First Baptist Church for 10% off of the gross of whatever she received. And here's what I want to tell you is this. Because of that, I have watched God faithfully bless her to where now the checks that she writes are not $10 checks, but they're sometimes thousands of dollars of checks that she writes and that she drops in the offering plate. And I watched her for the last couple of years. Business has not been real good. The economy was not good at all. And I watched her struggle with, with, with finances for the last couple of years. But I tell you what I never saw her struggle with. I never saw her struggle with taking that checkbook and writing a check to Piedmont First Baptist Church and putting it in an offering plate every time that she received a check and knowing that she gave it, not because it was an obligation or not because she felt like she ought to, because she knew what Jesus Christ how he changed her life, how he made her life whole, and how he forgave her of a multitude of sins, and that the least she could do for him was to give back the first 10% of what he allowed her to have and allowed her to own. And as a result, this year, she's having one of the best years that she's had in in a long, long time, and I'm watching her again with the same smile on her face when times are bad and the same smile on her face when times are good. I'm watching her write that same check and put it in an offering plate every week and do it to honor God. So that's the priority of our stewardship. And here's, here's, as we finish up this morning, here's the promise of our stewardship. Solomon says this, If we give, that our barns may be filled and our vats overflow with new wine. God's capacity to give way out, out, out it, it exceeds our capacity to receive. I have friends who are incredible givers. And they give not just to the church, but because of what they give to the church, God has blessed them. And when they see a need arise in our community and they see things happen in our community, they're some of the first people there to write a check to those people for what, is there, what, what has happened to them and what they need replaced. Jesus said this about giving. He said, Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use it will be the measure. It will be measured back to you. That's Luke 6.38. Now, here's a misconception that we will tell people when we're trying to teach them about giving and about tithing. We'll say to these words to them. If you give, God will make you rich. Now, I want to tell you this. I've been giving consistently now for over 24 years. God has not made me rich. All right? That's a misconception. Because if we gave with that end result in mind, then we are not trusting God, but we're using God like we would use the stock market or any other vehicle. We're saying, I'm going to get a return on this. There's a promise on this. And God wouldn't be honored, he'd be used. He means what Jesus means here as God's people have experienced with great joy throughout history. Matthew Henry says this, if you invest for his sake, he will give you more to invest for his sake. God will bless you with an increase of that which is for use, not for show. That which is for giving away, not for hoarding. Those who do good with what they have shall have more to do good with. Now think about this, loving Jesus as we do, nothing should make us happier than to do more good for his sake, because that is how Jesus treated us. uh, 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 says this, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that... You, by his poverty, might become rich. How did I become rich? I became rich in salvation. I became rich in the promises of God. I became rich, not financially, but I became rich in this relationship because Jesus Christ gave his life for me. He became poor and impoverished so that I might become rich with eternal life. Now, I believe that someone who would do that for me should be honored. So, we have the wisest advice ever given on stewardship and given by the wisest man who ever lived. He says it like this Honor the Lord with your possessions, with the first fruits of all your increase, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Now, what's the greatest stewardship verse in all of Scripture? The greatest stewardship verse in all of Scripture is found in John 3, 16. What does it say to us? It says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, His one and only Son, so that through Him no one should perish, but everyone could have eternal life. That's God's stewardship. What did God give at Calvary? God gave his best. God gave his all. God gave his everything for us at Calvary through the Lord Jesus Christ. Through God the Son, Jesus Christ, there at Calvary, God gave us his best. And as we live and breathe in this world, we should want to honor God in everything that we do by giving him our best. It's a difficult sermon, difficult to get through. I've been counting the minutes to get to this point. But here we are, Jesus gave his all for us, and he gladly did it. He did it without without opening his mouth. He went to the cross for us. And this morning, I just want you to reflect and think this week and pray about honoring God through stewardship, through your time, through your talent, and through what you give in every area of our life. How are we doing with our time? How are we doing with our talent? And How are we doing with what we give of our possessions? If you're here this morning, and those words are for you, that, who, that God gave his, Jesus for whosoever, not for a select few, not just for this group and not for that group, but it's a whosoever gospel. He gave Jesus for whosoever will. He gave His Son on Calvary for whosoever will. And this morning, if you need to know Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you know that you have sin in your life and you can't deal with that sin any longer, and you need full forgiveness of that sin, God offered that to you through the sacrifice of His Son, Jesus Christ. And this morning, I invite you to come. I'll share with you through prayer and through Scripture. How you can know Christ as your Savior. Maybe you've made a decision to follow follow in baptism or church membership. Whatever it is, right now would be the time as we worship, reflect, and give this time to Jesus. Would you stand? Father, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to reflect. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for salvation. And thank you for the opportunity to give and to partner with you. In your work, in every sense of the word, through our time, through our talent, and through the giving of our possessions. Lord, we pray that you would bless and honor this moment and this time. In Jesus' holy name, amen.